0: Let's just pray and um, let's let's uh, get this ball rolling. Father, I thank you for um, this privilege and honour to to be able to share um, in my house with my family something that you've poured in my heart and um, things that you've done in my life. And I pray that as I speak, it'll be your words that, um, and it's only your words that will actually move. Um, the hearts of your people, that I'm here as a messenger, I'm here as, a, as as a vessel for you and for your kingdom, so that as I speak, I pray that you will move and the Holy Spirit, that you will give insights um, to your people this morning. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. So uh, just a fine print. This morning, I'm actually going to be, even though I, I kind of want to obviously um, hope that everyone here actually get something from this message. Um, it's probably more geared... As, as, I, as I was pr- um, preparing and I was, as I was reflecting on what I was going to share, um, it actually... I realised it's actually more geared towards my generation, which is the Gen Y generation, Gen Y millennia, millennials. Um, but obviously everyone, I hope, will get something out of it. Um, and it's, it's interesting to me that, I mean, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit doing this, I know, that, you know, Carvin's message last week was about, it was based on um, the book of Philippians and about commitment. Um, and, you know, when Pastor Diane asked me to, to come and preach, come and share, um, I already kind of knew what God was um, already pressing on my heart, and it was about leaning in when the struggle is real, because the struggle is real, right? The struggle is, everyone say the struggle is real. It is real. And um, sometimes I think in church we forget the fact that we actually live in a broken world. We live in a, a world that is yearning for some truth, yearning for some resolve. And in the Bible, in the Word, in the book of Ephesians, it actually tells us what that resolve is. It's the church. It's Jesus through the church. And yet we, where are we? We haven't yet figured out a way to bring that result out into the world. And I think that is very much missing. And particularly in my generation, I've seen and I've, again, as I've, as I've been um, reflecting on what to say this morning, i realised my generation just kind of sucks at this. It really does. I'm just going to call it as it is. You could probably um, you know, our, our the, the generation before us can probably say it, but we're like, oh, no, we know what's best, but we don't. We actually really suck at this. And um, and I think it's important to kind of address that, <laughs> in a way. Um, so if look, if, if if this really is a message um, that's kind of carrying on from Carmen's message, and if you haven't heard it yet, I'd encourage you to to listen to the podcast once it's come up. Um, it's based on uh, the book of Philippians, and he, he spoke on um, basically Philippians three and about commitment, and that in order to gain and before gain something, in order to um, before we bear food with anything, there there has to be a loss. There has to be a price that is paid, right? Um, And look, I'm not up here, and I don't think anyone really should be up here trying to bring, um, well, I'm I'm sure that I'm not going to give many of you any sort of resolve or resolution. I really won't, and I don't think anyone ever will. I think the purpose of any message that we hear in church is to actually bring or highlight a result that's already happened, and a resolution that's already happened, and that is the power of the gospel. And I think when we come in the church expecting, I want to hear the word, I want to hear a word, I want to hear a direction from God, and then we don't get it. We kind of like, well, how is that relevant to me? How is that message relevant to me? When the actual fact that the, the purpose of a message here is to actually highlight the God's character, when we speak about the truth of God. You actually have to see, you have to hear with purpose and intention to hear of God's character and what he actually did in those truths. So when we come to church, I'm seeing, you know, I'm, I'm actually sharing about frustrations that I didn't realize I had um, with my generation. I just thought it was the world, but it's actually my generation. And I think it um, realized, I, I didn't realize I had this frustration for a very long time. I thought, oh, it's just the, last couple of years, you know, just um, just a side note, I've just, the last couple of years have been really tough, I've, I've, most of my close friends, or most of you know that I've come actually from um, a few years in East Africa, um, which actually came from, which has, actually came from the back end of, of DMS 2012, where God really upturned, really, there was a great upheaval in my life and I really, I, I was born again um, from the day I was born, basically in a, in a, in a Christian home, but DMS 2012, not in a DM, in DMS, but inside, when I positioned myself to be, you know what, God, I'm tired of this Christian life. I've done it. I've seen it all. I've been hurt by the church, when in actual fact, I was just disappointed. I've been hurt out there in the world. And God, I need a resolution. I need a, I need a, I need a resolve. And I was looking left, right, and center, traveled the world, trying to find practical ways to get my Christian life up in order, and, and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it because I was looking in the wrong places when all the while it was actually near. And we nod and we say, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. But how many of us actually nod and then we actually go off and go, oh, I hate today. And we're so sad. And we we do this cycle over and over and over again. And you know what? That's frustration I realize it's because my generation, I'm speaking about my generation, we have not gotten it. And you know, I think more and more, particularly in the last couple of years, I've, I've, I've stopped and purposely changed my attitude and expectation of, whenever I do listen to a podcast or listen to a sermon, that I come with a purpose and an intention to hear God's character and to see what He actually did then, what, and to see how God brought His people out of that situation. And when you listen to the word of God and when you read the word of God in that way, you will actually see the relevance of his word and of his church in the world out there. But what happens more and more is that my generation particularly, and everyone else really, but my generation, we're used to fast things. Fast, fast, fast. If that's not doing it for me, I'm going to leave. I don't even want to stay in a job. I want to be an entrepreneur because I'm going to be my own boss. I don't want to be under accountability. I don't want to be under authority because I want to be it. I'm going to do things my way, and I refuse to go through a process. It's real talk. I told you it's going to be real talk this morning because it's an issue. And I think we're we're always looking out there like, oh, my job, I'm not happy. And then I come here wanting to get a word, and then I don't get it. And it's like, oh, well, that wasn't relevant to me. Well, guess what? Until, until we get practical with this, we're not going to get any practicality out there in the world. We're always going to miss it. We're always going to be running on empty. We're always going to be running on uh, um, emotions. Even things like DMS, we can run on emotions. I've gone there. And then three months later, it's like, now what? And you go to your leaders like, now what? It's like, we just gave you the tools. Use it. But we refuse to go through the process because it's too hard or it's painful. So, you know, I know some of you might be thinking, well, that's great. How is that going to help me in my situation? How is that relevant to me in my pain right now? Oh, yeah, but that's not how the world works. Well, guess what? Unfortunately, but fortunately, when you gave your life to Christ, you actually forfeit the right to even live like the world does. That's the bottom line, and I think we've missed that. We've missed the point of when we gave our life to Christ, we actually said, see a world, I'm in here, but I'm not going to listen to you, and it's going to cost me every ounce of, of who I am, and people are going to persecute me, but it's okay because what Carvin preached about last week in, in the book of Philippians, that I count all as a loss because in Christ I gain everything. Amen? So. This morning, if you like titles, um, I've just titled it, titles, Um, I've titled it The Gospel, Our Resolve. If you want to subtitle it, Leaning In When the Struggle Is Real. And there's more. The Gospel, Our Resolve. Um, Ah. So, you know, again, um, I think since coming back from Rwanda in early 2017, I came back really like, yeah, I'm going to, like, go back to my design world and I'm going to build my portfolio and ah. I had all these ideas because in Rwanda we had nothing. And I was stretched and I was working 18-hour days helping street kids and orphans and I'm like, God, okay, I've done my time. Now I'm ready to go back. And I get back here, it's like, ah, oh, I don't actually want to do this. You know, and I was kind of in that sort of um, sort of, uh, transition phase where transitions suck. They really do. To be in a holding place, it's like, what do I do? And you kind of had this continual existen- existential crisis, which was my 2017. I didn't even come to church for a few months. Sorry, and I. Um because I was trying to figure out, it's like, what was the point of Rwanda? What was the point of following you, Lord? You, I sense that you told me to go there. So I went, and now I'm here. Didn't professionally really um, increase my ability to be employed, <laughs> doing humanitarian work. It did increase my salary. In fact, I went into a deficit because of it. <laughs> but I, every single time I said, but no, my reward is in you, Lord. My reward is in you. But meanwhile, I'm seeing my bank balance go down and down and down. And it's like, what happened? Did I miss it? Did I miss it? Why, why was I doing that, God? And then I remember coming back to church, and I was like, yeah, it's great. I'm going to keep serving God. And then on my way back into the city, I was on the tram, and I was just like in a daze. I was like, God, what is it all for? What is church all for? What, what, is, what is my profession for? Why am I trying so hard to find this job that I think will satisfy me? Why am I trying to build a photography portfolio? What, Why? And I remember just crying on the tram, not because I was depressed or anything, but I really felt the Lord saying, because you got it all wrong. You got it upside down, Ange. I think most of us, at least my generation, tend to have things upside down in that we... We use church, we use, we, we're in church and we put it on the back burner. It's something that we come to. We come and we, we, it's almost like a coping mechanism sometimes that we come here because it's a cultural thing to do. I'm a Christian, I have to, therefore I have to go to church. And then I go back to work, it's like, what for? I'm, I'm stressed out. And you know, you do all these tasks, but at the end of the day, what exactly are those tasks doing? You know, I don't think, we have issues of commitment. In fact, I think we overcommit. (laughs) And um, just, you know, I think the problem is actually not knowing how to stay in that... um, The problem isn't about commitment, but it's actually staying in that commitment. And when you hit those walls, what do you do? And why are you actually doing it? You know? um, And I think... The frustration, again, back to that frustration I was talking about, I think, is that seeing beliefs in my generation, we give up way too easily in our faith. We give up way too easily. When when it's tough, we end up going, well, all of my friends are doing it that way, so I might as well do that. What happens is that if you actually really love the Lord, you'll come back, and you have to unearth everything else again. Instead of pressing in when God's like, I want you to go through this process, why don't you just go through it? You know, I, I see this cycle over and over again and I'm, I'm included in that. You know, I really, it has been an issue. But you know what? I do sense that um, there has to be a flip. There has to be a flip in, in how we think and how we do and how we live our lives as um, this generation. I think that we need to start thinking about instead of, what can the church do for me? I'm, going, I'm coming out there from the world and coming in here and going, um, I need a word. I'm coming to church because I need a word. I need direction. And when I don't get it, I feel disappointed. Well, maybe our generation, I'm talking to the Gen Ys here, is that maybe we come actually to church saying, hey, church, what can I do for you? What can my gifts, my talents, my time, my money, What can I do for you? Because as a Christian, as a believer, if I forfeited my life in order to serve you, God, then, Lord, like Paul said in the book of Philippians, I want to take hold of that which took a hold of me. He laid his life so boldly that he left everything. He left everything so that he could pursue the gospel. Now, I'm not saying everyone here will be actually missionaries or anything of the sort, but, hey, you know, whether you're a photographer, whether you're, a musician, whether you're in business, guess what? Everything that you do is actually to influence people for the gospel, whether you know it or not. Because, you know, a life is just a bunch of decisions, and what you feed in and what comes out of it is actually what's going to influence people. So it's either Netflix or Instagram that's going to feed people, or it's going to be the written word of God, right? So this morning, I just want to um, go back to the book of Philippians. Um, and we'll read from Philippians 2. Uh, is everyone okay? I'm freaking everyone out. <laughs> um, we'll start from Philippians 2, and it's going to be quite long-ish. Um, we will break it up to two parts, right? Um, we'll start from Philippians two one to eleven, and then we'll continue on to twelve to verse eighteen. Um, now, just to give a you know, just to give a bit of a background, um, Paul's epistles are, are usually ordered in, in 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 three kind of sections, right? So it's usually in a doctrine, which gives you foundational truth, and it's a what do you call a um, a reproof, which basically is a rebuke of things that have gone on, and then a correction, right? So Philippians is in the middle of the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. Ephesians is, gives a, a, the, the, doctrine, the the doctrines and the foundational truths of how a church should be, right? And so Philippians is this beautiful rebuke. I actually think it's, 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 it's one of those books that you don't kind of want to listen to when you're going through stuff. Because here, remember Paul Paul was chained up in prison. He was chained up to a Roman soldier, right? So imagine his situation. Um, you know, I imagine that the prisons then were dark and dingy, cold. He probably had a lot of bruises. He had a lot of wounds, fresh wounds, a little light. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty situation. And yet here he was in the entire book of Philippians saying things like, Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Everything about Philippians was this love letter of joy and rejoice, and sometimes you don't want to listen to that. Right? You don't want to be listening to a preacher up here or someone sharing, like, God is good when you're just going through hell. That's real, right? That is real. And we end up being so disappointed. So I'm thinking how in the heck, how in the world was Paul, not only was he chained up to a Roman prison guard, he was actually facing execution. He was facing death. So when we're in our, you know, pit of despair and we're like, I want to die, but you're actually not going to die. You know that you're not going to die because you're in a, you know, air-conditioned room with Netflix playing and you've got food in the fridge. You're not actually going to die. It feels like it, Sam. Yeah, we've talked about it. It's like, ah, oh, we didn't die, and we're still here. You know, sometimes, but it does feel like it. I've been in I've been in that situation where like, God, I'm gonna end it today. And you're like, I'm too scared to do it, but God. You know, like it's real talk. Some of us have gone through that situation where it's like, I'm actually wanting to end this today. But then you're like, I can't do it. I'm too scared. And it's great, you know. But here he was, he was in prison saying rejoice. And again I say rejoice. I counted not as a loss, but I gain. everything in Christ. Everything that I lost I gain in Christ. But yet he was facing death and execution. It wasn't an if, but it was a, a matter of when. That is real. And I think there is something... You remember, you might think of this like, oh, but I'm never going to go to prison for and persecuted for my faith. Well, guess what? You probably will. You probably are. In your workplace, when you mention, I'm a Christian, they look at you like, oh, you're weird. That's kind of persecution. That is. I know. I've lost a couple of promotions because I am a Christian. In the advertising world, that doesn't really bode well. When you don't want to promote certain things that are against your belief system, they take you off their accounts. I've experienced that. Tell me that's not persecution. It is. And the thing is, again, when you look into the Scripture, you have to see it's not about oh, but that was in the biblical days. Well, guess what? You kind of can't assume, if you say that, you're kind of assuming that God wasn't clever enough or smart enough to know that you will actually need this in our world today. If God wanted to give you something more than this in the Holy Spirit, he would have given it to you. He created you. And so why are we constantly looking for answers like, oh, it doesn't fit me, when the actual fact is it's all in there. We actually have to get practical with our faith and actually read the word of God and to see his character is good, that his his blessings are abundant. But yet we refuse to see the God that rescued every single one of these people in the the stories and the truth of the Bible. Why was Paul so adamant in saying God is good? Why was Paul so adamant saying Rejoice, rejoice, because you know what? He was actually at the end of his time. He was actually at the end of his days. But he was assured there was a lightness within him. There was this freedom, there was this absolute freedom knowing that I'm not even made for this earth. I always knew it. The moment I fulfilled my life, I knew that my life was eternally with him. And this is nothing. They can do everything to me, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be up there. And so while I'm up here... Even in, 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 um, I think it's uh, somewhere in the, where was it, Um, in in Philippians 1, where it says, I actually want to (laughs) leave. I'd rather be with Jesus. We say that when we're like in, you know, in the pit of like our despair. I'd rather be with you, Jesus. But then he says, but it's better for me to actually be here and to encourage you because he knew his days were numbered and that he was going to be there, but he wanted to get the gospel and the truth of the gospel to these people. And guess what? That is our job as well. We may not be in the prison, four walls of prisons and with a little light, but some of us actually are living in prison walls that we can't actually see. We've been imprisoned by these situations that we've been living in for so long and the cycles that have been running in and out, but yet we're looking for ways to get out of it, but we stopped to... Actually, realize it's actually all in here, and God gave us the truth. And so, I believe that um, Philippians 2, let's start to read uh, what Paul was actually trying to tell us. Philippians 2, verse 1 If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Verse 4, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who... that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. If you're finding, if you're trying to find practical reasons of why you're a church, or why you even do the things you do as a Christian, look to those scriptures. The humility that God, being the God that he is, became Nothing like us, just to save us. You want to find a reason? Study those words. That's it. I want us to turn also to First Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 1-4. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, like I said, there's not going to be much resolve that I can give to you but that. There really isn't, you know, another... uh, A lot of the frustrations that I've had, I've realized, is I see my peers around me in my generation continually ask, well, how can that relate to me? How can the church and what is being preached relate to me? What can I do, Ange, to get practical and, and get stronger in my faith? And I give them the word, tell them to pray. And it's a continual cycle. How can I get practical? But I'm telling you, there's nothing more to it than really. It's as simple as this. It's as simple as this, but I think our generation has really gotten it really wrong in that we continually are trying to fill ourselves up, fill our insecurities up, fill our gaps within us, the, the things that need to be nurtured with other things that actually make us and uh, that actually, in the end, destroy us even more. We run to relationships out of loneliness when we're, and once we're in that relationship, it actually helps, it actually leads us to even more loneliness. That's a problem in our generation. Am I I saying it right? It's it's the truth. And it's a frustration. And I'm actually, no, we shouldn't fear, but I'm actually a little bit fearful about, you know, once I have kids, where those kids are going to end up. We'll be okay in the church, but how about out there? As believers, what are we actually doing out there? Instead of flipping it the other way and going, God, what can I do? I've got this talent. What what can I do? I'm not saying use it for the church, but it's like, what can I do, God? I'm a Christian with these tools that is meant to carry out your will. What can I do? Instead, it's the other way around. Church, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? Oh, okay, you can't do anything. I'm going to leave. or I'll just come once, once a month. I'll give my little bit to you. I'll give my tithe this week. I'm a little bit short on the other side. but This is real, guys. This is real. This is what it means to be a Christian, to be sold out and completely sold out. In our mindset, I think we have to, again, in our generation, we have to flip that mindset of, To be sold out for God means I'm going to be a missionary. No, it's not going to. You're not. You don't have to be a missionary unless God calls you to be a missionary. No, He actually wants us to be in every area of influence, so that every knee shall bow, as it says in in the scripture. Maybe if I even like with, say, for example, photography, if I'm operating in my gifts, knowing that this is what the Lord is wanting me to do, and somehow I post a photograph up in an exhibition. If I'm operating those gifts out of the Holy Spirit, right, being led by the Holy Spirit, who's to say that if someone was to come up against that image, that something would strike? Maybe, maybe since we're all made in the image of God, some of us actually aren't awake enough to know that we are made in the image of God. Maybe there's something within them that recognizes, "Ah, oh, I recognize that spirit coming out. I recognize something out of that. Maybe that is a seed. We have to actually start challenging the way we think about church and about Christianity. Questioning how this is all relevant. Maybe we start getting to know the God that we actually gave our life to. There's nothing more beautiful than getting to know the God of this Bible. Getting to know the truths in it and seeing how good he was every single time it will make you weep to see if you were there in those times to see that Savior just completely demolished. And yet some of us don't even have a realization of what he actually did for us. We just come here recognizing on a Sunday but then completely disregarding him Monday to Saturday. What's saying, yes, we have an amazing time at church and then on Monday morning you're gossiping with your workmates are going, oh, guess what that... Guys, we've got to shut that up. (laughs) How? Why? Let's look back on to Philippians 2, verse 12. Verse 12 to 18. um, Philippians 2, 1 to 11, it talks about the humility, right? We have to, in order to carry out the things that God has asked us to do, it requires humility. When we're struggling, when the struggle is real, instead of backing off, instead of letting pride take over, we've got to get down and dirty and be humble before the Lord. Right? And how and why? Verse, Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more, In my absence, here's here's the thing, here's the deal. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. In order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Guys, it's, it's, it's right there in Scripture. Continue to work out your salvation. God's not saying, now you're saved be happy and clappy in the church, and that's it. No, he says, go out, do it. Again, like Carvin's message last week, like, we've got to get mature. We've got to strap on our boots and just get on with it. And it's, sometimes it's hard to hear these kind of truths in your face, but it's needed. Our generation, my generation needs to hear it, and we actually need to be more, a lot more vocal about it. Because really, the struggle is real, very much real. And how are we going to answer to that, you know? Um, and I'm telling you, the struggle is real. I'll, I'll get real personal here now because it's family, right? <laughs> you know, this week I, I actually lost a, a good friend of mine in in, uh, in Rwanda. Um, I was actually... Uh, preparing and, and I was really excited about this Sunday and like, you know, ready to prepare, ready to, to, to give this, this message and then I get a message from Rwanda's, um, couple of friends and close friends in Rwanda saying, hey, have you heard the news? I said, what? I said, so and so has passed away. It's like, what? God fearing woman, God fearing family, And she didn't just pass away. This might be confronting to some of you to hear this, but she was actually murdered in in the most horrific, horrific way. You talk about the struggle. This is a struggle in, in Rwanda. This person was a very prominent, prominent woman of God, about to get married next month. And this person was murdered in her own home by a housemaid. You think that's not a struggle. That is a struggle. And you have all these, you know, all my friends over there, it's like, Angie, how can you say that God is still in this? Well, that's all I know because God is in this. Just like how Paul was in this prison going, what's happening? But Lord God, I know that you're in this because I'm going to you. And he was trying to tell the churches that he was writing these letters to, hey, I'm about to go, but God is who you should look to. Here's everything that, you know, when you lose everything, you're gaining everything in Christ. So all I was saying to my friends is like, hey, God is in this. I don't know why that happened, and I know that God was grieving. God is grieving with us. He's close to the brokenhearted. I don't have answers. Sometimes you don't have answers to certain situations, and it's not our duty to find an answer. But God, he is our resolution. He is our resolve. You talk about struggle, that is a struggle. And unless we know that that is the only resolution that we have to offer, unless we understand that is our only resolution, then we're always going to run on empty. And people are just going to turn away from me like, hey, sorry, Angie, thank you, but no thank you. Because I'm trying to dress up the real solution, which is Jesus and which is the gospel. We try to cover it up. We try to dress up this amazing party that doesn't actually need to be sold. Jesus does not need to be sold, guys. And yet we keep dressing it up because we feel like we need to. It's time to get real, guys. It's time to get real. I'll close with this. Um, Philippians four, eleven to 13. You wonder why Paul kept going, kept being rejoiced, rejoiced, rejoiced when he was down in the dungeon. And so I'm encouraging you when you're down in your dungeon, this is why. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know that what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, in, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. How good is God? Guys, my generation, my people, I'm encouraging every single one of us here to just start flipping our mentality a little bit. Start coming to church, not because it's a thing to do, but it's because it's out of your love and out of your reverence before God. Start coming to church asking, Lord, how can I serve you with what I have? How can I serve you? Instead of coming here and saying, what can you do for me? When you read the word of God, go into it with purpose and intention of going, God, I'm not going to go into it wanting anything but to know your character. I might get bored for the first few, for few verses, but I'm going to get there. We need to start thinking differently if we are to be different for the world, because the world is tired, the world is broken, and it needs a fresh take on life. It needs a fresh take on what it means to actually live again. Amen. Maybe we can get um, the musicians to come up and. Um, what's that last, not the last song that we sang? This is my offering. And you know, I know last week we, um, Carmen's message, a lot of us, me included, blubbering mess at the front, came up and um, uh, either gave your life to Christ or recommitted. And perhaps, may have, you know, this morning, even though it might have been short and sweet, it's, it's actually what we kind of need to be hearing over and over and over again until we get it. Because we're looking, we're, we're tired of those same messages, the best is yet to come. We know the best is yet to come. <laughs> How do we survive while we're here? <laughs> right? <laughs> and the only thing that we're going to use to survive is this. Not a great new car, not a great new whatever gadget to keep us on time. I've tried it all. I think I've got a lot of used, non-used um, journals and diaries. In January and I look at the end of the year, I've never used it. We have all these intentions to do something good, right? We have all these intentions to get practical and make our lives better, but we refuse to look into practicality of this and, and getting down and dirty with the gospel because it isn't pretty the gospel isn't pretty but nothing here is really but the thing that is pretty, the thing is that we have um, something to look forward to is being with our maker there with Jesus nothing will ever beat that and if you're looking as believers if you're looking for something that will beat that you're going to come up running on empty every single time. You know, and as so, I think as we sing this song, maybe we get real with God and say, Hey, God, this is my offering. I don't have much. I may be down in the deficit in my bank balance. My spouse might be just... you are, but you became nothing so that we could have a future, an inheritance in you. Father, as we go about our week, I I ask that you'd come and you continue to speak to us beyond just this morning, that you'd come and speak to us where in our hearts, where it might be a little uncomfortable. For the, for the broken world out there that we can come with the answers that they're looking for. Father, only found in you, only found in your gospel. Lord, I ask that you'd empower your people this week. I pray a blessing over them, everything that they do, everything that they 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 their hands find to do. Father, I pray that you'd bless it as we dedicate our lives wholly and genuinely, wholeheartedly to you, before you.